one of the underrated things that's important in life is, let, let's see if anyone's ever traveled to an international airport. Has anybody ever gone overseas in an airport? I love it. Keep those hands up for a second. And have you ever been in an airport where the primary language was not English? Okay? Love it. So you can put them down. Thank you. I have too. Now, one of the challenges that happens is people really mean well and they want to make sure that their directions make sense to us people who, in other countries, it seems like every kid learns like nine languages. My parents, I feel like they kind of failed me because this is how many languages I can speak. This many. Not this many. Not this many. This many. Thanks, Mom and Dad. No, I love you anyhow. But here's the thing. So for people like me, we find ourselves in airports, and for example, there's brand new carpet. And they have their carpet, and they don't want people like me having our chili dog or our Slurpee or whatever it is, because airport food is delicious, and they don't want us making a mess all over the carpet. So they very well-meaning put up a translation. If To them it says, hey, keep your food off the carpet. But the problem is, unfortunately, it ends up reading, eating carpet strictly prohibited. A little bit of lost in translation. And then if you go to a market, it's not just an airport thing. You go to a market, and of course, they, they sell chickens, nice live poultry, and you get, my, my daughter loves um, loves being able to see chickens. She picks them up. I've never met someone who picks up chickens before, but my daughter um, is three years old. I've never picked up a chicken in my life. I would be afraid it would like peck my eye out and kill me. But my daughter is like, I love chickens. I pick them up. And she literally does, and they like her. It's weird. So you're in this market. You're in this market, and you've got live chickens in one place, and you've got a place that sells chicken sandwiches on the other. And of course, they want to make it just very clear which is which, but it gets confusing when the translation says, sale of chicken murder. And we say, that something was lost in translation. But of course, it always comes down to churches. We always, I, I, as, a, as a member of, of the clergy, I'm going to say we always make the biggest fool of ourselves. Can anyone agree that the churches, if someone's going to get it wrong, let's leave it to the church. So there was a very well-meaning church that they were in a country where it was not the norm to have public restrooms. And these really sweet people wanted to make it clear, we have public restrooms. We care about you. And also, we are a church, and we have a place for prayer and things like that. So what did the sign say? Toilet, the place, the place of prayer. <laughs> so that's my silly way of saying translations matter. When we take something in one language and bring it into English... It can be silly, right? But the reality is, is I'm seeing a lot of people traveling overseas. I just talked to someone earlier this week. She's going to take her third trip overseas in the past year. She's going to Greece this time. And she said, oh, David, I'm, I'm actually going to see two islands I've never seen before. I'm so excited. And I'm sitting there being like, wow, if I was doing an overseas trip... I don't know about you. Who would be excited about the idea of going overseas right now? Anybody into that idea? Well, here's my challenge. How many languages do I speak? I speak one. Thanks, Mom and Dad, once again. But the challenge then is I, I'm like, okay, so I'm in a foreign culture, and they've got their ways, and they've got their languages. My big question would be how do I know what's going on? 
I would need to know how do I get the right translator? How do I get someone that's going to make sense of things that make absolutely no sense to me? I like this definition. The New York Times talks about, I read the, the Times all the time, and um, there's this writer where she's talking about how she's had all these opportunities to go to China and to go to South America, and she speaks like two-ish, three languages, not like me with the one, and she says, you know, one of the greatest superpowers, allies I have are translators. They're crucial allies when we're far from home. And for us, that can be, maybe you're going overseas and you're saying, hey, I have the opportunity to hire an interpreter to kind of help me, but maybe not. Maybe it's something like Google Translate. Has anybody ever tried using Google Translate to have a conversation with someone? I have. As someone who's tried that and kind of failed, I'm going to bring some of that failure into our talk today. But translators, when we use them the right way, are crucial allies when we are far from home. And that brings us to a problem. Because I'll tell you, you may say, he's talking about a translator, but I'm planning on being here for the next nine years. I'm not needing a translator. I'm not needing someone to speak another language for me. Well, I'm going to challenge you and say that we do. Because if you see my silly shirt with C-3PO here, let's go to our next slide. Our problem today is without Jesus, life is madness. Without Jesus, when we look in our society, things are confusing. Things are frustrating. And it's like being in a country where you don't speak the language and saying, okay, now what? I, there's all this stuff and all these things, but I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Now, in this chapter, you heard us read Mark 4 before. In this chapter, we very quickly see a lot of things about Jesus. He teaches four stories. There's a, there's a very churchy word, parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Basically, it's the way that Jesus doesn't walk over. Have you ever met uh, maybe a pastor who just talks all theology and all graduate level speak the whole time? And you're like, that must be a really sweet person, but I don't know what you're talking about right now. Jesus didn't want to do that, so he spoke in parables, in these earthly stories with heavenly meaning, to make it clear he wouldn't just talk about the kingdom of God abstractly. He'd say, hey, you're familiar with shepherds, you're familiar with farmers, you're familiar with seeds, and he would use the language of the day to make it clear. And that's what we see. We see in this text that Jesus is a translator. He is someone who takes the confusion of our world and takes the kingdom of God, and he allows us to see both. He allows us to see that we shouldn't buy into all the confusion, and instead we should pursue this idea of the kingdom of God. Instead we should say, how can we be part of the solution on earth today, right now, in our families, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our marriages, in our parenting? And he shows us how to be a translator. Now, the reason that matters is because in that time, we can often have this idea of terminal uniqueness today, and we can say, wow, I'm living in the hardest time in human history. Things are the most polarized and confusing and divided they've ever been. Maybe or maybe that's not true. I don't know. But what I do know is when the people he was talking to, when he was using stories and translating the kingdom of God and culture and everything and making it clear to these people, especially the disciples, there was a lot of madness going on. There was Greek and Roman culture, which, to be, put it kindly, was bizarre. And 
A few years later, you even have this emperor who, when the city is burning, Emperor Nero is just playing his violin as things are burning, and it gets crazy. I was watching last night. I had a little free time, and I was sitting, sitting down, and I watched a little bit of Gladiator. Any fans of Gladiator? 2000? That was a formative movie in my life. Um, love that movie. I'm actually, that's one of, that movie is one of those movies you can watch each time you get something different out of. I used to love it for the action, and now I'm sitting and thinking, wow, it really, it's a lot of things about life. But we see in that movie that Roman culture was really messed up. And we just see all this heartbreak and all this tragedy. That is what these people are having to deal with. You're dealing with a bunch of Jewish people in the first century who are forced to deal with Roman culture and they don't want to. They're forced to deal with all these things and they're just saying, I just want life to make sense. And Jesus is being their translator. And let's break down the text real quick. We start by seeing a crowd gathering because once again, Jesus, by the time we get to Mark 4, Jesus has kind of arrived as far as he's got publicity, he's got prestige, he's got gravitas. People know, okay, where Jesus comes, I should show up and see what happens next. Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's some other miracle. Maybe it's great teaching. We'll see feedings that are going to happen later on in Mark. But it starts by he gets into a boat because there's so many people there, and he kind of uses a boat as a stage. And he's going to tell four stories. He starts by talking about soils. And you can say, you know, I'm not really a gardener. I'm not really a farmer. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Here's an easy way to think of our four soils. He talks about some people that are shallow. He talks about some people that really try to listen to God's word. And they, and they try to be on board with it. But they just, other things become priorities. But there are some people that are willing to just say, I want to hear and I want to accept it. I'm going to let Jesus be my translator. And that's what we see in our four soils. Then he talks about another story, and he talks about, remember that this little light of mine, anybody know that children's song? My daughter can do this. So this little light of mine. And he talks about, would, would you take a light and hide it somewhere? No, of course not. You want the light to be seen. Then he also talks about this idea of planting. And he says basically... There are times in our lives where God is working and the kingdom is happening, but we don't see it right away. And, and it's going on, and you, the farmer can be asleep or awake, and it's still happening, and maybe you're oblivious. And what we have the opportunity to say is, okay, there are times in our lives where I'm trying to do the right thing imperfectly, and I'm trying to follow God, and I don't see it. And I just got to keep being patient. I got to keep being faithful. Life is mundane. Life is boring. Life is even hard. Life is madness. But I can just say, you know what? I'm just going to keep following God. I'm going to keep walking with Jesus. And I'll see what happens next. And then, of course, he uses the very famous mustard seed idea that all you have to have is a little bit of faith the size of a mustard seed, tiny, tiny, tiny little seed. And eventually it grows to be the greatest. And understanding that you don't have to walk in and be the person with the huge dynamic faith that everyone's like, wow, that person's a big deal. All we have to do is say, hey, I'm one little person. I'm willing to follow Jesus and I'm willing to see what happens and I'm willing to let him work in me. And of course, those stories then take us to this boat because Jesus not only is a teacher, he's also someone who's able to back it up. Oftentimes, I'm a high school teacher. Do we have any other teachers in the room? Any other teachers? 
few teachers, thank you. So sometimes if you're a teacher, you get this question. Well, you're teaching me that. Says who? What's your source on that? You're telling me this about Shakespeare or this about Jack London or, or whatever. Well, says who? And as teachers, we have to demonstrate our authority, the reason, what we're backing up our teaching with. Jesus is very clear. He does miracle by simply getting in the boat, falling asleep, standing up, and calming the seas when everyone else is panicked. And it's miraculous. It's amazing. And it backs up all his stories because if he has the ability to calm the seas, of course his translation for life is going to make sense. And so that brings us to kind of our big idea for the day. With Jesus as my translator, life starts to make sense. I want you to jot that down. We've got a, a sheet that we give out each week. It gives you an opportunity for notes on one side with the main points. Um, it'll spoil everything I'm going to talk about. On the other side, it gives you some discussion. It gives you a complete breakdown of the text. If you're completely unfamiliar with the Gospel of Mark, I am so glad you're here. At the very top, it gives you three points about the text, just basic ideas. Then it gives you a verse-by-verse. Verse. We hope that sometimes when people look at the Bible and say, this is confusing, we want as a church, we love you, we care about you, we want to make the Bible a little less confusing. So open that up, look at that. With Jesus as my translator, life isn't perfect. Life isn't all glamorous. I'm not a movie star. I'm not Russell Crowe in Gladiator. I'm just David in my sort of fitting C-3PO shirt saying I'm imperfect. But life starts to make a little more sense. And I will tell us, I'm going to warn us, there are many, many, and I'm going to end with this too, there are many, many, many people in our society or groups in our society that want to be your translator. Go on the internet and you'll see that anyone is willing to be your influencer, to sell you anything, to give you this coaching thing, this sort of pyramid scheme, et cetera, et cetera. Tons of people want to say, hey, the world doesn't make sense. Do this and you're going to be good. We'll talk about this at the end. The challenge is, is all of those things fall short. We try those things, and life is still madness. We try to say, hey, I'm okay, I'll, I'll scroll on Instagram for a few hours, and you know what happens? And I feel awful about this. As, as someone who works with young ladies, I see what Instagram, just endless scrolling, does to our young ladies, and they're measuring themselves against something that's totally random and unfair, and it's awful for them. And they're just feeling like, you know, I was hoping to scroll and figure this kind of thing out, but Instagram's just making me feel worse. With Jesus as my translator, life starts to make a little more sense. But if I'm going to a foreign country, and I'm given a translator, whether it's a person or whether it is a, some sort of a technological tra uh, translator... I've got to use it the right way. If I want Jesus to be my translator, the same ideas that are going to apply to working with an interpreter, if I'm, let's pick a country. I'm going to go with the first country I hear. Give me a foreign country in Europe that we're going to pretend we're going to. Someone shout it out. Okay, we're going to France. Oh, Ruby would be so happy. Ruby reads, I talk about Fancy Nancy in every sermon. It wasn't planned, though. Ruby loves Fancy Nancy, and Fancy Nancy always wants to go to France. Okay, so we're going to France. I don't speak French. Anybody speak French? Few, few, there we go. So we got Madison can do it, I cannot. Now, if we're going to France and we're going to get an interpreter or a translator, it doesn't matter. 
here's what we got to do. The first thing we got to do, and this applies to our walk with Jesus too, but let's, let's start with France for a second. I have to stick with my translator in a couple different ways. I've got to stick with my translator in proximity. If I say, oh, I've got my translator, I'm so excited, I've paid a bunch of money for this premium translator, $79.99, and I'm excited to go to France, but I leave it in the hotel room, does my translator do me any good? I hire an interpreter for $200 an hour, breaking the bank, so that I can have this perfect French experience, and we're going we're gonna to eat French food I've never even heard of, gastro whatever, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> but now, I leave my interpreter in Starbucks and just head out to the restaurant myself. Does it work? No, i got to have proximity to my translator. With Jesus and with, with his teaching, it's the same way. We're going to look at this in a second with the four soils. But also, it's not just about proximity. If I leave my translator behind, that doesn't help. But it's about patience, too. If I'm working with stupid technology, does anyone ever have this thing where they're like trying to figure things out and there's a learning curve? With a translator, you have a learning curve. With a person who's an interpreter, you have a learning curve. You still have to develop that relationship. That person in the New York Times said, translators are crucial allies when we're far from home. But the problem is, is if we don't patiently wait for that relationship to develop, what's, what's the point? Then we're just so frustrated. And so as we're looking at this text, that applies whether we're going to France or we're Using Jesus as our translator, I have to stick with my translator. Let's open up to the 20th verse of Mark chapter 4. This is in that four soils parable. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept. Let's, let's underline that. If you've got a Bible there, let's, let's underline that. Hear and accept. Because we hear a lot of stuff, but it's accepting it and hearing. Jesus will over and over say, um, you know, for those who have ears, let them hear. And he talks about hearing and understanding. So hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Jesus makes it really clear. If he's going to be our translator, if we're going to look at his teaching, if we're going to have the Bible, and we hear it and we accept it and we give it a try and we stick with it, with proximity, if, if, if the Bible is just something that exists on my bookshelf once and I'm not sure where it is and I have nothing else to do with it, that doesn't do me a lot of good. And if I'm not patient with it, if I'm saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so excited, I'm going to go home and I'm going to read the entire New Testament and my life is going to be completely perfect, probably not. We know that faith, that life, that anything good takes time and takes patience. I have to stick with my translator. Because if I just get all excited and I say, wow, you know what? I heard this message today and I realize I've got to let Jesus speak into my life. But then I don't stick with it. It doesn't actually do me any good. Now, it brings me to, I think all roads lead back to pop culture with me. You're noticing this. Now, when the queen died, 
I said to my dad, I said, you know, the challenge that just happened, obviously we're sad, but she was in her 90s. Um, the challenge with the queen dying is I think she's the last unifying pop culture figure. And he said, oh, no, no, David, there is one left. We have one final hope. Dolly Parton is still alive. <laughs> now, I also think, I think he's wrong. I actually was thinking about it more. I think we have more than just Dolly Parton. I think we also have the Karate Kid. I believe that because of the resurgence of Cobra Kai and because now every single young person aged 17 and under is current and you are not in it, I think that we have Karate Kid in common. So here's a way to think of, I have to stick with my translator. You have this kid in the 1980s movie, the Karate Kid, this kid named Daniel, and he doesn't know what's going on, but he has this guy, Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi just says, hey, you're going to wash cars. You're going to do wax on, right? We know it. Wax on, wax off, right? And he doesn't know what it is, but he just does it over and over and sticks with it. And it takes time, and it takes patience, and he's got to have proximity. And he doesn't get it until he fights Johnny Lawrence and beats Johnny Lawrence at the end. And then it works out. I have to stick with my translator. I have to understand, and we're going to talk in our next point, too, about how I don't have to understand everything, but even before not understanding everything, I've got to be able to stick with it. So here's my question for you. What does your proximity with Jesus look like? No guilt, no shame. If you're feeling guilt or shame, I'm going to talk at the end about how those are not translations we should use. If guilt is translating your life and trying to give you meaning, that is a lie. Throw out guilt. If shame is translating your life and you're saying, oh, you know, the, the one way I can figure this out, I just feel so much shame and, and, and I know that's good. No, 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 no. Throw that out. Now, going back to these proximity and patience, though, in your life, what does your proximity with God's Word look like? What is your proximity with Jesus looking like? And you say, David, that's confusing. Jesus is not in the room. What is your proximity with Jesus through prayer, through reading the Scripture, through journaling about the Scripture? That's a thing. Take a Bible verse. Take a, take a line in one of these parables and jot it down in nice flowery calligraphy and write about it and say, you know what? I'm, I'm seeing this here. Wow, it's really making me think of this and start connecting it. Get in a small group and talk to people as we're going through our Jesus series and say, wow, okay, the Lord is saying this through the text. How does this impact my life? And be patient about it. If I stick with my translator, if I'm saying life is madness because it is without Jesus, and I'm saying Jesus is going to be my translator, okay, great. But that doesn't mean everything's going to be Disney ending um, amazing right off the bat, the end of Beauty and the Beast, perfect right away. Life is not a Disney movie. Life is life. Life is difficult. Life feels like madness. And I've just got to go one day at a time, one moment at a time, one step at a time, and stick with Jesus. Because it's my translator's job to understand. I don't need to understand. Understanding is helpful. And as I walk with Jesus in my life, I can grow in understanding. I've shared this before. One of the prayers I, I pray over my children each night is to grow in kindness, to grow in wisdom, to grow in knowledge, to grow in humility, to grow in understanding. I know that it's not going to happen immediately, and I know that whether it's myself or my children, we're not going to understand everything. Jesus does. It's very clear. We, we see this, and we'll talk about authority at the end of our message. 
it's very clear that his authority and his understanding provides everything we need for a translation. He is the one who understands. My job is not to understand everything and to know how every single thing works and to pull everything apart and understand the base theory, but to accept and to say, okay, I've got this opportunity to serve God and to say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. You understand. I accept. Let's look right in the text, the 27th uh, verse. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. So this is in our second parable. This is in where it's talking about the seeds, and the farmer scatters the seeds. If I just dig up the plant, do you know what happens? Has anyone ever tried that? You said, oh, I'm, I'm so excited to plant pumpkins, but I'm not sure if they're growing, so I'm just going to go ahead and dig up my pumpkin plant. You know what has happened? You just killed your pumpkin plant. We have to say, okay, things happen in time. We talked about proximity and patience before. Patience comes in here again. I have to say, there are certain things about my life that are going to seem madness, but with Jesus, they're going to be less like that. I've got to say, okay, I accept this is going to be a process. I accept it's going to take time. As a little kid, I struggled to read. As a five- and six-year-old, I had a really hard time. I was placed in the low groups. It was really difficult for me. It took time. But the whole time when I was learning how to read, and I remember my kindergarten teacher and my first-grade teacher, they were doing all these interventions. I didn't need to understand the pedagogy behind what they were doing. I needed to accept their reading instruction. I didn't need to turn to my first grade teacher, Miss Biganette, and say, hey, Miss Biganette, uh, that's great that you want me to read, but like says who and, and where's your degree from and, and are you sure and aren't there more cutting edge things going on? No, it was my responsibility as a six-year-old to just accept that she was teaching me how to read in the same way in my life. Jesus is the translator. Jesus is the authority. Jesus is the teacher. I don't have to understand everything. It'd be great to grow in understanding. I'm not saying be clueless. I'm not saying that, that scene in The Matrix where Cypher says, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying instead is that if I'm walking with Jesus, I'm walking with Jesus. He's going to help me grow in stuff, and hopefully it's going to be knowledge. Hopefully it's going to be understanding. But there are going to be times where my life is like that seed buried in the ground, and I don't need to understand it. I just need to keep walking with Jesus. I just need to say, wow, I have this wonderful opportunity to love God, to love my spouse, to love my children, to love the people of my community, including my church, including the kids I work with, including the parents I work with, even the loud parents. And I don't have to understand everything. I think of it as things, all roads in my life right now lead back to potty training. Right now, Ruby's about to turn three. What does that mean? It's time for potty training, okay? The challenge is, until she is ready to accept our help, it doesn't matter all the focus on the family resources that I've read. How many have I read, Laura? Too many. All the articles. All the articles are in here, but it doesn't matter because until Ruby is ready to accept we're just not going to have potty training. Now, uh, I will tell you the, the Minnie Mouse toilet is being thrown away and a new, I think, frozen, probably Elsa toilet will be coming this week and I think that'll help and that'll help her accept it. But regardless, until she accepts, 
nothing else matters. And that's like our lives too. My lack of understanding is not a problem. It's not my fault. It is what it is. Now, I want to grow in, in understanding. But my responsibility is to follow Jesus. My responsibility is saying, okay, yeah, I don't get a lot of things going on. Life does feel like it's madness. Okay. But now I have this opportunity to follow Jesus in my life. Now I have this opportunity to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the understanding. But I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to meet with other Christians. I'm not going to come from this defensive point of I know everything and so I sit at a Bible study and say, that's great that we want to read, but you need to hear from me first and this is all. No, it's not about all my baggage and all my, all my past experiences with the church or with Scripture, whatever. It's about saying, okay, today I have an opportunity to accept Jesus, to accept his translation, to accept his word, and to let that be real in my life. And when I start to do that, I'll speak for me, not for you. For me, when I start to open up the gospel or open up the epistles or open up the Old Testament, I take the Bible and I start to look at it. For example, I love the, the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah at the end of Nehemiah has this thing where he gets so mad that he starts to pull everyone's hair out. And it's not cool. It's not, it's not how he should live. And I sometimes, in my worst state, get so frustrated that I wish, right? I, I sit and think, like, oh, I'm that frustrated. And so I have to look at that and say, wow, that's amazing. Other people struggle like I do, so I need to calm down and let Jesus be Jesus, and I just need to accept. I need to stop freaking out. I need to stop panicking. I need to stop being the great I am. And I need to just live understanding that God's doing work, Jesus is Lord, and I can read the Bible with people and pray with people and not have all the answers. And so I invite you, again, I'm going to read this one more time. My lack of understanding isn't my fault. You can write that down. My lack of understanding isn't my fault, but trusting my translator is my responsibility. It's not my fault I don't know everything, but it's my responsibility to follow Jesus. It's not my fault that I'm clueless, but it's my responsibility to follow Jesus. Because if I'm going to France, remember how we were going to France earlier? and I left my translator in the hotel. If I'm going to France, my translator must be legitimate. If I'm saying, hey, I'm so excited to go to this gastro-whatever restaurant with all these French-sounding foods that are going to cost me $900 a plate, but I'm so excited. But the problem is, is that the translator I brought doesn't actually help me with French. Once again, I'm just confused. And once again, I, I now might as well not have it. And this is what's so helpful in this text. As you're looking, if this is your first time experiencing the Gospel of Mark, there's four parables, and then there's one miracle. And that's not random. Because we see that Jesus backs up what he says. We see that Jesus is the authority, that Jesus is the legitimate translator. Look right here. As he's sleeping in the boat, and the disciples are panicking and freaking out, and they're like, Jesus... You probably want us to drown, don't you? Look at what he says. When Jesus woke up, verse 39, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still! Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. I often think of, in my life, that Jesus is kind of asleep in my boat. That I'm sitting and panicking about things. And he's asleep in my boat. Like, I don't need to panic. He has the authority. He is the legitimate translator. He is the person that if everyone else is trying to sell me something or influence me, 
Sometimes Jesus is asleep in my boat and life's not the end of the world. I don't need to go to some like high-level intervention to try to fix everything. I can just say, hey, one day at a time, one moment at a time, I'm just going to walk forward because I know that he has the ultimate authority. For translators, I never really noticed translators until something happened about 10 years ago. There was a funeral of a world leader, and at that funeral, you may remember, there was a translator doing sign language that didn't know sign language. It was on national TV, international TV. And I noticed very quickly that this person had no idea what I had as little idea of sign language as this person. And it's not, I don't bring that up to trash that person. I bring it up as a really helpful moment to remember that when I follow a translator that's not legitimate, it just creates a mess. When we look back to that moment, it was just confusing and a mess, and it's weird to talk about, and it's weird to even bring up. When we follow translators who are not Jesus, when I, when I follow the, the gospel of guilt, it's not a good news of guilt, it's a bad news of guilt. When I try to say, hey, guilt's going to solve all my problems, it doesn't. It makes it worse. When I try to follow uh, shame as my translator, not a legitimate translator. When I try to follow self-help, or I try to say, hey, like, you know what? David warned me against Instagram, but he knows nothing. He knows nothing. So I'm going to, Instagram is going to be the legitimate translator in my life. It's not. It's going to get me feeling worse about myself. It's going it's to let me down. I have to follow a legitimate translator. We look right in this text. We see Jesus' authority. We see that he backs up all his teaching. And in our lives, we have this opportunity to ignore those other people. Because right now, I will tell you, I don't know if there's ever been a time where we've had more people available to be the translator, to be the giver of meaning in your life than now. Maybe the 19th century, kind of post-Civil um, War, when you had the traveling snake oil salesman, you literally had people going from town to town and saying, hey, I, this is going to fix all your problems. Maybe, but I don't know. The internet has given us such an explosion of people who want to influence your life. And I'm not trashing them. I'm just simply saying, follow Jesus. I'm not saying that we need to be judgmental and that that's going to be the legitimate translation in our life. I'm saying we need to be prayerful and we need to say, Jesus, okay, I'm going to stick with you as my translator. I'm going to, I'm going to realize that I need proximity. I need patience to you. Maybe, maybe that means I need to this week go right over there and sign up for a small group and say, hey, I've started getting to know the people of this church. I'm looking around. I like them. They're cool people. Jesus is better. I want to get to know him more by reading scripture, by getting really involved in this Mark study we're doing and really learning from him. Maybe it's that I just need to be a little more patient with my walk and realize that, yes, I gave my life to Jesus a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago or a couple years ago. And that doesn't mean I need to be looking like Mark Wahlberg. That means I can just say, wow, okay, life is complicated. I'm going to keep following Jesus. Life is madness, but it's a little less maddening with Jesus. And let's look at our bottom line. This is our bottom line. Let's, with Jesus as my translator, it's not that life makes sense. Life starts to make sense. I start to have this ability to move forward and say, okay, I don't get everything. Jesus does. I don't understand why this is all happening but I can follow Jesus.
And so here's my question for each of us. We, we probably likely fall into two camps today. If you do not personally know Jesus, I want to briefly tell you about him. Jesus was fully God, was fully man. He lived a perfect life. He came because he, he loved you. He loved me. He loved each of us. If you don't know that, I would love to talk to you at the end of the service and let you know who Jesus is. And some of us fall in that camp. But other of us fall in the camp of where maybe it was a couple weeks ago, maybe it was a long time ago, we gave our life to Jesus. And now we're in this point, maybe we're really walking with him. Maybe we're kind of walking with him. We have the opportunity to make him the translator of our life. To say, hey, yes, I gave my life to you, Jesus. And now today I realize I, I got to make it a more regular practice. I'm not saved through reading the Bible. I'm saved through faith in you alone. You are my salvation. However, also it's helpful in my life when I have those anxious thoughts, when I just feel like life is madness, it's helpful to open up the book of James. It's helpful to open up the gospel of John. It's helpful to take your teachings and apply them to my life. And so if that's you, I want to give you a challenge. Do something about it today. Sign up for a small group. Text someone right now. Pull out your phone and text someone who's a Christian friend and say, hey, let's get together for coffee. I'd love to see a couple people do that right now. I'm going I'm to do that too. I'm going to grab my phone. I'm going to text somebody right now. And I'm going to say, hey, I'd love to get together with you for coffee this week. I'd love to do it. Because here's the reality. It's not about me having all the answers. It's about seeing that Jesus is my translator, that Jesus is able to help me move forward, that I can build my life on Jesus, and other things are going to start to sort themselves out. Maybe I don't have to, that relationship that I'm just going back and forth, and I'm like, am I saying the right thing? Am I saying the wrong thing? Who knows? I can just say, you know what? God, that's confusing. God, I, I just need to slow down. And I can just open up the Bible and I can read. And I can pray. And it doesn't mean that I have to have all the solutions, but I can be part of community that values and understands the need to have Jesus be the center and nothing else. Let's pray together. God, I ask that today you give us the strength and the courage to, to do something. If it's accept Jesus for the first time, Lord, thank you for that. We ask for the strength and the courage to do that. But if it's to reach out to a friend, if it's to get involved in a small group, if it's to get involved in a reading plan, God, I ask that you would allow each of us to walk out of here ready to take a step. Not to have everything fixed, but just to take a step and say, hey, Jesus, you are my translator. I'm not going to leave you in the hotel room. Come with me. Let's do life together. Bless us. Go with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.